It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to the Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal with me is Bill Koch, the Red Sox beat writer. Bill, this is unprecedented. I think this is our third uh, preseason podcast for the Red Sox. Uh, when you know when they win the World Series, we can just sort of take the offseason off because they're the defending champions. But this has been anything but a, a routine offseason. Uh, and what brings us here this week is the uh, completed, we assume, finally completed. I don't think there's been an official word yet. Uh, trade of Mookie Betts and David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers for uh, a uh, for a package that now includes three players. Obviously, Alex Verdugo is the uh, the main uh, major league ready player coming back, and then two prospects. What what a week it was! Ooh, you're not kidding. Finally, a little bit of time to come up for air here. Uh, I think we can safely say that the trade has been agreed to in principle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can much more safely say that than last Tuesday, when news of this broke, originally a three-team deal involving the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and the Twins. Uh, we'll use the next however long we need <laughs> to sort of go over the, the developments that took place from Tuesday to Sunday night. It was um, it was a saga, really, that only the Red Sox could, be, <laughs> could produce, wasn't it? Right. Well, you know, it, and it, what makes it even more interesting is it comes in... Uh, in the midst of, of the Major League investigation into the cheating scandal, stealing signs. Alleged scandal. cheating. Alleged, right, alleged cheating. Right, sorry. Uh, so that in, its, that in itself is a huge story. Hmm. Uh, led to the firing of the Red Sox manager. We still don't have a manager per se. We, we're all led to believe it's going to be uh, Ron Renneke, last year's bench coach. Uh, but So let's back up here and just start from start from the gate about uh, just the the decision to trade away Mookie Betts and we'll get to sort of what they what they got in return for it but sure why don't um why don't we start there and Bill I'm going to guess that you were not a fan of dealing away the best player on the team no I'm on the record as saying that I would not have traded Mookie Betts I I would have done basically anything else uh I think it's a terrible precedent to set for a team like the Red Sox you're a major market club you spend uh, a significant amount every year on payroll uh, you've been over $230 million each of the last two seasons. I think it's a terrible message to your fan base and to your players that you fear your best player going to free agency and you fear not making the best bid on said player. Um, that's small market thinking. That's something that the Pirates would do, something that the Rays would do, something that the Royals would do. These are the Red Sox. You don't trade a generational player like Mookie Betts simply because he has one year left on his deal and you want to get some value for him. You hang on to that guy tooth and nail. You negotiate a full year with him. You make the best bid for him next offseason, and you tie him to this team for the rest of his career. Uh, Just on its face, it's a stunning thing for a franchise like Boston to do. Uh, I, I agree that that the Red Sox uh, should have found a way, or at least tried to pursue uh, ways of coming to an agreement with with bets. And I don't know that they necessarily had to do it this year. Um, obviously, he had one more year uh, under their control. Um, but as as John Henry and the ownership has has stated, their uh, their main goal or one of their 
top goals was to get under the competitive uh, balance tax there and not uh, incur it for a third straight year. Um, now, there may have been other ways of doing it. I think a, you know an easy way is to shed the $27 million salary of bets and, and half of David Price's contract. There may have been other ways that were not as easy or as clean to do it. But generally speaking, and this may sound naive because I, I don't really know all the machinations of, of if you have to pay that balance, uh, that competitive balance tax yet again and how that hamstrings you. But I know it that it does in many ways. Uh, but this is the best player that your that your farm system has produced in a decade or two. I think conservatively, you would say since Nomar Garcia Parra. Okay. So, I, I think if you wanted to be even more audacious, you might say Carl Yastrzemski, Ted okay. Williams. Uh, yeah. I mean, really. I mean, the, I, you know, um, they they haven't exactly hit it out of the park with a lot of their their prospects. And not like this. No, certainly not, not. not an MVP. Not an MVP, and somebody who you think. Uh, would be able to man right or even center field for the next 10 years and play at a level that uh, would would uh, bring you MVP votes and maybe another World Series title or two. So I agree that, that getting rid of your best player for the Red Sox is a bad look because you're the kind of team that should be able to hang on to that player when that player needs to, uh, you know, reaches the point where he's going to get paid. Um, you should be acquiring that player from other teams. And maybe you should be trading for that right. player from a distressed franchise like the Pirates or the Rays or somebody like right, that. Right, right. And maybe they still do. Obviously, he becomes a free agent unless the, the Dodgers tie him up. I, th- I think that's very unlikely that the Red Sox would go out and get him. Um, He's not coming back. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's hard to tell with Mookie, though, because he, 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 he never really, um, you know, gave you a clear indication whether he really liked it here or didn't like it here. Uh, which, you know, frankly, as long as he's putting up the numbers he was putting up, who cares, right? You're a married man. You've been <laughs> married for a long time. Yes, 25 years. If you went to your wife and said, honey, I love you, but I'd like to see other people for the next six months. <laughs> I don't. She might take me up on that because she may be able to do the same thing. Well, so I let's, don't know, let's hope that your lovely wife, Claudine, wouldn't uh, put up right. with such a thing and, uh, you know, would, would be a little more rational about this. Um I don't think that she would take very kindly to Bill Corey coming home and saying, you know, I'd sort of like to explore the market a little bit, and then I'll make you the best offer seven <laughs> months from now to come back. Right. You have the, fir- the right of first refusal. It's probably not going to go over very well, is no. it? No. Whether this is a business or not, or whether or not the Red Sox had made bet- lucrative extension offers previously or, or not, mm-hmm. the fact is they just traded him. They sent him away from the only organization he's ever known. Yep. They uprooted his life. He has no incentive to come back here unless they pay him at the top of the market. And if they were going to do that, yeah, do that now. Do it now. <laughs> when you get a when, when or do when, it next off season when that clock starts sooner rather than later. That's right. You know. Uh, so okay. So we'll, let's let's move beyond the fact that we don't like the idea of them trading away Mookie Betts, but they did. Sure. sure. Um, now uh, the one thing that was included in that deal that I can't say I was too broken up about was. They dealt away David Price. Mm. Uh, now they have to eat half of his salary, which is in for headline writers is great because now you can call him David Half Price. Yes, but uh, you're still this guy's still on the books for you. He's, he's going to cost you, I believe, forty eight million over the next three years, something like that. Right, uh, and he's going to be pitching for a team that uh, that may be winning a World Series or two, and that's not you. You you could see Price have a little bit of a resurgence here, uh, you know, going to a warmer weather place. 
Yep. Uh, going to a pitcher's ballpark, going to the National League, uh, mm. a place that, you know, as we know, has an ERA about a half a run lower, uh, just by the nature of the lineup. So there's pitchers in there, there's more utility guys in there, double switching and, and the like. Uh, you know, there's just not the depth of an AL lineup. You also add to the fact that, you know, Price is going to get to throw half his games roughly in Dodger Stadium, in uh, AT&T Park, which is where the Giants play. That place plays really big. Yep. Um, you know, he's got some better places to pitch in out there. Uh, you know, Price, of, of course, you know, he only started 63 games the last three years. Uh, but I could make a reasonable argument that the contract to this point was maybe worth it. He did sort of get you over the line in 2018 to win the World Series. Yeah. He won some big games down the stretch there. Uh, the clinching game against the Astros and his two starts against the Dodgers in the World Series. You could say that those outings were priceless. Um, <laughs> you know, you could add that to, right. to your headline collection. Um, obviously, though, you're, you're looking at a few things with David Price. First, the money. Uh, you owe him $32 million in real cash over the next three years. He counts for $31 million against a collective balance tax. So you cut that mm-hmm. number in half. Uh, you also had Price coming up on his 10-5 rights. Ten right. years in the league, five years with the same organization, which gives veterans the right to refuse any trade that's agreed to, um, which in theory would have made it a lot more difficult to move him at any point uh, over the next two seasons in 2021 and 2022. So if you were going to move on from him, this was the time to do it. Uh, It's just very unfortunate that you had to attach him to your best player. That's true. You know, uh, on the one hand, when I say I'm not that broken up about losing David Price, on the other hand, you look at who their starting pitchers are and you wonder if you're going to get a full season out of these guys. Is Chris Sale truly healthy? Is he going to be able to give you the kind of year that you expected uh, he would be able to give you when you first sign that long-term deal with him. Is Erod going to repeat something he has never done before, and that's essentially pitch an entire season without getting hurt for a uh, for an extended period of time? Mm. Uh, what about Nathan Avaldi? Is he going to be there for you? These are all big question marks. Major, you know, and and you know, in some ways, David Price. Um, I think would have been a reliable starter for you for a bulk of the year. Obviously, he's not there anymore, so that uh, that really, I think, uh, brings some uncertainty to the, pit- to the pitching staff. I think what you what you take away from this, obviously, <clears throat> is with the money that you've saved, you're about twenty million now under the CBT. You're, mm-hmm. you're roughly one hundred eighty eight, one hundred eighty nine million, uh, which is below two hundred eight, comfortably below two hundred eight, right. to the point where now you can add salary. Whether it's in a thin free agent market that's out there, you you wish it wasn't so late. Yep. Uh, in the, the offseason. Uh, but you could also add salary in a trade. And there's nothing stopping the Red Sox from making another deal, more deals, sure. uh, you know, multiple deals before the start of the season. I would imagine that, you know, they're on the phone with, with various teams, uh, you know, talking about starting pitching because that's an obvious hole, uh, hole for them. Um, you wonder what they're going to do with Tanner Houck. Could they just bring him up and throw him into the rotation mm. right away at the back end? Uh, you have added Martin Perez, who, who is a sort of back end option. Yep. Uh, profiles as a number four at best, maybe a number five starter. Um, the health questions are still going to be there. No matter what other moves you make, you are tied to Sale and Evaldi long term. Uh, those guys both missed extended time last year with various injuries. Uh, and I think the story of last season very much would be the story of this season if they're unable to make 30 starts. You were incapable of, of winning anything, uh, really, at any point last season. Uh, you were 26 and 8 when Rodriguez started, you were 58 and 70 when he didn't. Hmm. 
Um, you know, so you were going nowhere outside of the games that he pitched, regardless. Right. Yeah. Obviously, it was the pitching that really did them in last season. So, uh, in the first iteration of this trade, uh, Price and Mookie Betts headed to Los Angeles. And it was a three-team deal, which included not only the Dodgers, but the Minnesota Twins as well. Correct. Coming back from the Dodgers was Alex uh, Verdugo, who was still part of the, the deal, and outfielder uh, who who, uh, who profiles as uh, you know a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a decent year last year. Um, and uh, the, the original trade also had uh, Bruce Dar Graterol from the Minnesota Twins. That has now been scratched. The Red Sox... Uh, have uh, had concerns with his, his medicals. Uh, this is somebody who, as a 21-year-old, uh, is tipping the scales, I want to say, at like, what, two... 65. 65, something like that. And he's six one. It, yeah, and um, I think... Uh, it's the a little scary. It is a little scary, because typically guys don't get in shape as the as they wear on, they <laughs> they could, start in shape. Sadly, I can speak to that. Way. Oh my god! Uh, and there was also a concern about his arm. He had he had uh, Tommy John at an early age. Obviously, you, Tommy John surgery isn't what it used right. to be. No, it's certainly not. It's not a death knell, but long term damage. It, but it raises concerns when he has in, it at, at in twenty fifteen. Yeah. He did have Tommy John surgery uh, yeah. last summer. He was shut down for two months due to a right shoulder impingement. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a guy who the Twins viewed as a reliever. Uh, and the Red Sox thought they were getting a starter. And and obviously, when you make a trade, a starter has far more value in a trade sure. than a relief pitcher. Sure. Uh, even a guy who profiles as, as a potential closer in the future. Uh, you know, So the Red Sox, they balked over Greater Rawls me- uh, Medicals. I think they might have also balked a little bit over the backlash from the trade. I, I think they they shouldn't have been surprised, but yeah, maybe they was, were a little bit. It certainly was not positive. I mean, uh, you know, dealing away your best player is usually not going to get rave reviews to begin with. But you you were heavily criticized for not getting enough back, not getting enough immediately. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and so the you know holding up the medicals might have been a way to sort of try to leverage the Twins a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately the Red Sox did what I thought they should have done all along. They leveraged the Dodgers. Uh, and and I don't know, you know, I don't know what those conversations were like between Hyam Bloom and Andrew Friedman, his former boss, uh, who used to be the general manager of the Rays and is now yep. the president of baseball operations with the Dodgers. They mm-hmm. obviously know each other very well. Uh, if I was Bloom, I would have been calling Friedman and saying, "Look, you're getting the best player in this deal by far. Right. You flamed out of the playoffs last year. You lost the two previous World Series." you don't win a championship this year, you might get fired. You agreed to a long-term extension, and you kept your manager. But you're going to have to make major changes here uh, because the Dodgers are, are squarely in their window at this point. All the young talent that they've developed Absolutely. and all that, that's all nice. Yeah, They've gone 32 years without winning a World Series, and they've been knocking on the door the last three. Los Angeles isn't Boston. It's not Philadelphia. It's not New York. So you can get away with not going for the jugular. But if he was running a franchise in Philadelphia or in Boston, the way he runs a franchise in Los he Angeles, he wouldn't get another chance. He'd be getting killed right, by right. the media here. Yeah. Um, you know. So I think if if I was Bloom, and ultimately I think what ended up happening when when the three team deal fell apart, if I was Bloom. I would have gone to Friedman and said, "Look, you have a deep prospect base, and you're getting the best player. You're winning this trade. You better send me something back of substance here." And not only that, you're also getting the pitcher that helped. That helped us beat you a couple of years right. ago. That's right. For half price. That's you know, right. We're picking up the freight on half of this. So, you know, I think from the from the standpoint of the Dodgers, and we're not Dodgers fans, obviously, but if from the standpoint of the Dodgers, they added 
to a team that is pretty al- already pretty stacked and should be able to contend and win the damn World Series. Also, if you're the Dodgers, you need starting pitching. Yeah. You lost Hunjin Ryu yep. to the Blue Jays in free agency. Rich Hill went to the Twins. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw is made of plaster he's not, in he's, the playoffs. Right. He's not what he's he was. He's horrendous. Yep. You have a bona fide stud in Walker Bueller. Right. You might not want another guy in the major leagues to start a, a, a playoff game that you need to win right now. Right. Other than Walker Bueller. He is a star. You're yep. paying him nothing. Take advantage of the fact that you have him, you know, for, for basically pennies on the dollar over the next three or four years because eventually he's going to be worth a lot of money and eat up a lot of your salary space. Absolutely, absolutely. So so in the revi- in the revised deal, the Red Sox get uh, the twins only- were cut out. They're gone. Although th- they worked out the their Dodgers own deal. The Dodgers made a separate deal right. with the Twins. Right. Revised. So, so the Red Sox now get uh, Verdugo and two other players. One is Jeter Downs, and the other is a catching prospect, Connor Wong. Uh, I did a little research on both of these guys, Bill. Why don't you tell us what, what we know about or what you know about these two guys? Well, let's start with Verdugo because we, we kind of glossed over him okay, earlier. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, 23-year-old guy, has played about 160 games in the majors. He debuted in 2017. Um, the bulk of the bulk of which came last year. I think he played 100 games last, 106 games last year. He can go into right field for you right away. Uh, he profiles maybe as a more toolsy, more powerful Andrew Benintendi. I, I think that's maybe the very lazy evaluation that right. you could make. Everyone says he has a great arm. He he throws well. Yeah. Um. You know, he's a top 40 prospect consensus before he made his debut in Los Angeles. Yeah. Left-handed hitter, uh, guy who should be fully capable of hitting 25 home runs a year. Uh, you know, he hit putting 12, up a, he hit twelve and hundred at bats. So that's that's pretty good. You know, putting up an OPS well north of eight hundred. Yep. Uh, playing capable defense in right field. What I'm interested to see in Verdugo, obviously, is how he handles being the guy who got traded for Mookie yeah, Betts, right? And how he adjusts to being in the Boston market. My my little rant about the LA market about two minutes ago. It applies in terms of trading players as well. It is an adjustment to play here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, some guys warm to it and, and really enjoy it. Uh, I think back to someone like Kevin Millar, who couldn't have embraced it more. Sure. sure. Um, you had some other guys like Price, uh, Edgar Renteria right. is another, Carl Crawford is another. Yeah, you, you can't hide in Boston. Who really, really struggled with it. Right. And, and so I'd like to see how Verdugo adjusts. Uh, there's also. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily put these out into print because they're not entirely verified. They're not fully vetted. Uh, there wasn't anything, you know, in terms of court proceedings or anything like that. But mm-hmm. there are some troubling things off field about him that have surfaced right. that I'm sure are going to be fleshed out a little bit more in spring training uh, next week. And, and I think things that will be discussed with Heim Bloom, with John Henry, with Verdugo himself. Uh, folks can Google those if, if they're looking for. A little more information, and, and I think it'd be really interesting to see how he responds to that, right? And what he has to say, right? Well, if he's mature enough, uh, he he would look back on it as a stupid mistake of youth and apologize for whatever his role in it was. But you're right; there was no court proceedings to kind of point to here. Um, but you're right; I mean, everything is going to be on the table once he comes to Boston. That's right. Writers are going to ask him about uh, stuff on the field, stuff off the field. How do you uh, feel about replacing Mookie Betts? And, you know, he's going to give the standard, well, I can only be me and, and all that kind of thing. And that's true. Uh, 
But uh, beyond uh, Verdugo, the Red Sox did get a couple of other prospects. One of them, Jeter Downs, named after Derek Jeter, apparently. Correct. Uh, 21-year-old shortstop prospect, right? Uh, I think they actually did very well, yeah. considering the other two guys. They got uh, Jeter Downs, according to MLB.com, in their 2020 rankings, is a top 50 prospect in baseball. Uh, baseball America has him in their top 100. Right. Uh, profiles as a middle infielder. I know a lot of folks looked and they saw a shortstop and they said, we already have a shortstop. Yeah, we don't need one of those. Right? Which is fine. He can play second base. Yep, yep. Um, he was a 2020 guy last year in the minor leagues. He reached double A. Um, he also has a little sense of what to expect here in Boston. His older brother, Jerry Downs, was a first baseman in the minors with the Red Sox, played at Class A in double A Portland last year. Uh, so he's going to have a little sense of you know, where he's going to be playing, mm-hmm. I would expect him to maybe start in Portland, end up in Pawtucket, something yep. along those lines. That's probably where he's at right. in terms of his development. Yep. Um, but certainly a talented guy. He was a first-round pick uh, in 2017, I think, by the Ray, uh, by the Reds. He was in the compensation, the compensation round, which mm-hmm. is right after the first round. Uh, I want to say that he was traded to the Dodgers in the Asiel Puig deal, ah, okay. uh, which sent Puig to the Reds. Right. I think he was one of the centerpieces of that. Uh, Connor Wong, yeah, and I, I questioned uh, Chris Hatfield last night, who runs uh, a great website that people should find if you're a Red Sox fan, SoxProspects.com. Yep. Uh, those guys do a great job in terms of just comprehensive breakdowns of players, scouting reports, whatever it may be. They go deep. They go beyond the top 30. Yep. Uh, they list the top 60. Red Sox prospects, and you know they do personal evaluations as well. Connor Wong is going to be the top catching prospect in the Red Sox system, and and that's a position that you know they went from having two guys who they were really high on, Christian Vasquez and, and Blake Swihart, yep. to a position with no depth at all. Right. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Cole Cottom, uh, who was a, I think a fourth rounder out of Kentucky a couple years ago, um, there's really no sort of major league ready sort of you know, prospect type, toolsy type guy to get excited about. Right. Connor Wong could be that guy. Uh, he's 23 years old. He was a third round pick in the 2017 draft. Another guy who hit 24 home runs last year in the minors in 111 games. Uh, added 24 doubles on top of that. Also reached double A by the end of the season. So you could see the track that he's on. You know, he could end up in Boston in 2021, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody who's on that developmental track. Right. And, you know, I think in terms of those two guys, they address two positions of need, second base and behind the plate, um, you know, whether it be in their system or eventually at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that, you know, they just need more bodies in that system. We've talked about it. You know, toward the end of last year, they ended up 22nd in the prospect rankings, according to Baseball America. That was up from 30. Yeah. Which is improvement. Right, but it's still but it's much still closer not to good. the bottom. No. Still not good. Yep. You know, the other thing, too, about uh, getting these two prospects, and I'm not saying that this is the reason they they got them, but all of a sudden they, they do have a couple of trade chips here. You know, if if there's a a pitcher, let's say, out there that they really want, and, and maybe prior to this trade they didn't really have the chips to go out and say, hey, how about if we give you these guys? Well, now they maybe they do spin these guys into a pitcher, which obviously we know that they need. But, you know, with prospects, Bill, you never know, right? I mean, there are guys who are rated highly right. and do, don't do much of anything. There are guys who are not rated highly and come up and are a star of the team or certainly a long-term uh, contributing member of the team. Uh, now, Wong is 
pro- profiled more as like a backup catcher, right? Uh, that that's sort of what I've been bit, reading. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, the Red Sox. I think. Knock on Formica here should be okay with Christian Vasquez as their primary catcher for a few years to come. But every team, as we know, needs needs two catchers these days. Yeah, he's coming up on thirty. Yeah. Played one hundred thirty eight games last year, which is really untenable for a catcher. Yeah. You, you, and you could see his offensive numbers suffered toward the end of the year. Right. right. Um, you've brought in a, a veteran backup. Kevin Pluwacki is a guy who could certainly place hold behind Vasquez. Sure. He can play 40, 50 games, and, right. and I don't think they're going to have an issue with that. Um, experienced big leaguer. Mm-hmm. But you always like to have that next guy coming, in, in particular at that position, yep. because it does chew guys up and spit them out. It, it's very physical by nature. Um, I like that you made that point about the fact that this doesn't mean the Red Sox are done. Yes, they've completed this major transaction, but nothing's stopping them from making more trades. No, and we both we both just said that they really could use another pitcher, and they 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 you know they need another arm in that rotation. Whether they can, uh, whether that that comes from within, or whether they you know they can they can spin off a few, a few prospects, and now their prospect pool is a little deeper to do that. Like there's nothing stopping the Red Sox from taking Jeter Downs, pairing him with Michael Chavis, let's say, hmm. and turning them into. A pitcher with some tenure, right, or a starter who makes a lot of money over the next two years. As long as you have somebody to play second base for you, because it's probably well, not going to be Pedroia. You know, it could be Jose Peraza. Yeah, yeah. for a couple of years, right and, right. and you could have your eye on somebody else a little further down. Yeah. That's just a for instance. But if if they're going to prize flexibility over everything else, whether it's payroll, roster composition, whatever it may be, then you're going to need to take full advantage of it, and that includes making those sort of creative trades going forward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, we are recording this on a Monday, and camp opens, or spring training opens in a couple of days. Um, so who is going to be the Red Sox manager? I guess we're all led to believe it's going to be Ron Renneke. Uh Any reason to doubt that, Bill? I wouldn't think so. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to believe. You know, first, the Red Sox can't announce anything like that. Um, until MLB completes their investigation into the alleged 2018 signs, right? Which you got to believe is going to be happening like any day now, because you know, like I said, spring training starting this week. You kind of have to have a manager, don't you? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think uh, Rob Manfred, MLB's commissioner, said last Thursday that they're hoping to res- have a resolution of the Red Sox investigation this week. This week, yeah. Um, you know, pitchers and catchers report on the twelfth, which is Wednesday. Uh, full squad workout next Monday. I, I want to say the seventeenth. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think that you know Boston's coaches are there. Uh, Renicky is there. Carlos Fabulous is there. Yep. Uh, you know, Tim Hires is there. Uh, Craig Bjornson is there. So, in terms of pitchers and catchers, you're, you're going to have supervision there. Uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of. Who are you going to have for the manager? And it makes the most sense to promote Renicky, uh, who was Alex Cora's bench coach, who does have established relationships with players on this team, who has been a manager before in Milwaukee yep. for yep. four plus seasons. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that that's going to be the natural pivot for them to make. And if they do, that tells me a couple of things. The first thing I think, the obvious thing, is that they don't believe that that the uh, MLB report is going to reflect badly on Ron Renicky. Because if it were, why would you? You know why would you go there, right? What a disaster that right. would Absolutely. be. Absolutely. So this 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 sort of tells me that they they got some kind of inside word or somebody tipped them off that hey, you know, Renicky's clean or there's no reason to worry about him. The other, of course, uh, it feeds into the uh, to the endless um, 
speculation out there that, well, this is just a way of, of bringing Alex Cora back after a year. Have Ron Renicki keep the seat warm and then have Alex Cora come back. Uh, I find that incredibly unlikely. I know. <laughs> I've heard some conspiracy theorists about that. It seems to me that Alex Cora is done with the Red Sox. I, I like though that you want to go and do a conspiracy theory. I, I do enjoy right, that. Right. Well, it's you know, it's not if they were to bring in somebody like Veritech or anyone else, it probably wouldn't be on an interim basis, right? It would be well, this is the next manager. You bring in Ron Renicky, you're like, well, okay, this is a bench coach. It's not a big deal if he just does it for a year and you find somebody else. What if that somebody else is Alex Cora? You know, <laughs> if they are as thin skinned and and is uh, prone to pandering as, as folks would accuse them of being, right. uh, then it's of course the move that John Henry's going to make. He's going to say, look fan base, I still love you. Right. We've traded Mookie, but I'll give you Alex Cora back and, and we can go forward like nothing yeah. ever happened. Right. Uh, we only traded our best player since Ted Williams. Um, but I, it, it is a very interesting conspiracy theory. It, it's also very interesting uh, in light of how careful the Red Sox were uh, when they mutually parted ways right. with Cora, the language that they used, uh, yes. you know how careful they were not to kick him on the way out the door. No, not at all. That they they <laughs> they were so complimentary of of Alex Cora that it almost made you wonder, gee, why is Alex even leaving? Uh, right, <laughs> you know? right. And, and so you know, you go back to that and you think that for some reason the door is ajar. Yeah. Uh, for him to come back, I I think it's more along the lines of uh, the fact that you were given a short time frame. Your chief baseball officer hasn't made this type of hire before. Right. Uh, you've got a clubhouse that, that's obviously uh, upset with the fact that they've lost a guy they really like, right. who they had close relationships with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was, you know, Alex Cora's strong suit by far was his relationships with the players, mm-hmm. his ability to communicate with them. Uh, the contrast between him and John Farrell in that way was striking. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, and, it was night and day. And, and the performances that he was able to coax out of them. Right. In part because of that, I, I think was really impressive yep. and, and a, a major, major strength of his. Um, so that's certainly something that, that they need to be mindful of when they bring in the next manager long term. Yep. And I think just by bringing in Ranicky, you know, you give him the Dusty Baker deal like he got in Houston. It's a year with an option for another year. Um, you know, and, and you could say to him, look, we just want you to keep the seat warm. We know you can do the job. If you win and you want to stay on for another year, we're happy to extend you for one more year. If yep. not, we can make you the bench coach again. Mm. That's fine. You know, you probably know the next guy we're going to hire. If it's Mark Kotze or Jason Veritek or yep. you know some of the other people that we interviewed, you might already have a relationship with him. Yep. Um, you know, I also think that this buys Bloom some time, whether it's six or seven months, right. to expand his contacts in that area. Um, you know, to to try to decide what type of team he has, what type of manager he would like to lead it. Yep. Um, you know, that sort of hybrid of statistical analysis and someone who has those relationships with players. Uh, you know, I just don't know how many people like that he actually knows or who are on the market at this point, you know, in early February. Right. Everyone's got a job at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time of year to be, to be looking for a manager. Well, whoever that next manager is, you know, there's tremendous amount of pressure on him because, you know, Bill, Three of the last four managers won the World Series in their first season with the Red Sox, and the other guy was Bobby Valentine, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, the one who didn't win the World Series. That's right. <laughs> was Bobby? Val- I bet Bobby Valentine's still available. Oh my God! Yeah, if you but, wanted to pry him away from Sacred Heart, right. where he's currently the athletic director, I believe, I'm sure he'd be 
be open to coming back to the Red Sox. <laughs> right, right. God, could you imagine that? No, no, oh, no. I, I don't think I don't think he's on the short list. That would or the long list. Brutal. Right. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Bill. Um, Big doings certainly this week, uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, and as the Red Sox get ready to open their spring training in a couple of days, hopefully there will be a uh, hopefully there'll be a manager there uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and so let me just ask you, and I know this is sort of unfair because we don't really know what the final roster position is, but. Tell me what you determined to be a successful season for the Red Sox this year, given everything that they've gone through here in the last couple of months. Well, I still look at this team, and I think there's a fair amount of talent there, uh, particularly in the lineup. You know, yeah. your, your team in the field is going to be pretty good. Their offense last year was was still very good. Obviously, you're taking a big piece of that offense away. Huge one. Uh, you're adding somebody that hopefully can be a contributor to that offense. Certainly not the same level, I don't think. But that's not really where the problem lied, right? Right. You're you're taking away a catalyst, yeah, uh, a, a fire starter, a guy who you know, is probably the best leadoff man the Red Sox have had since like Dom DiMaggio. Yeah, or you know, you know Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, maybe. you yeah. could argue, Wade yeah. Boggs was ahead of his time in terms of yep. on base percentage yeah. and drawing walks. If if Wade Boggs played in 2020, he'd be a far more appreciated player and a far far more highly paid player, no question, <laughs> right. than, than what he was. Uh, you know, in in the 1980s, a yeah. guy who wasn't fast enough to lead off, right. and who didn't hit, didn't enough, hit home enough home runs, runs until hit except, third. For the, except for the year that he did, that he hit 24 <laughs> that one year, or 23 or whatever right, it was. Right. Um, but I, I think that you're you're taking away a catalyst, the fire starter, an elite defender. Uh, you know, a, a guy who's really you know, aside from Mike Trout, the best all around player in baseball. That's a huge <clears throat> loss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you still have Raphael Devers, who came into his own last season. You still have Xander Bogarts, who's coming off a career year. You expect Andrew Benintendi to be better than yeah, he was last absolutely. season. You still have J.D. Martinez, who's still within that window of near the prime of his career. So you st- you certainly have offensive weapons. It's not as though you should be expecting to be you know a bunt and steel team now. Not at all. <laughs> you're, you're still going to do plenty of damage at the plate. Yeah. Um, you know, the question, obviously, for me, is the starting pitching. Yeah. And I think it's what sunk them last year. Uh, you know, you, you went extended periods without sale of Aldi and Price, um, and, and you're just not going to be able to, to last that long when you're losing guys like that and when you have very little depth at AAA. Mm-hmm. And you know, to be fair, no team has seven, eight, nine starters. No one can fade a loss of their top two or three guys. Right. Uh, you know, what the Yankees did last year was, was an anomaly. Having that many guys on the injured list and still winning as many games as they did. Yeah, it really was phenomenal. Uh, and the Yankees still came up short in the postseason, right. which reminds you that you need that quality. Mm-hmm. To get through. I mean, look at the Nationals. Look at the starting pitching they had right. to win the World Series. Those right. guys were fantastic. Yep. Uh, the Red Sox the year before, in 2018, got great starting pitching yep. Yep. throughout most of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The Astros in 2017 got great starting pitching mm-hmm. throughout most of the season. That's really important. Um, to me, if you're going to take this team from a non-playoff team to a playoff team, it could be as simple as whether or not Chris Sale and Nathan Evaldi perform. Yep. And are able to make 30 starts. And if Chris Sale is able to be the guy who finished in the top six or seven of the Cy Young voting for seven straight years. Right. Uh, because when he's right and he's healthy, there aren't a handful of better pitchers on the planet right now than Chris Sale. Uh, we just don't know what he's going to be like, uh, how he's going to be managed in terms of his workload. 
what he's going to be able to do. There, there's a lot of variables there with him specifically. Right. Um, and you wonder how he's going to be going forward. Uh, you know, maybe the advantage of, of bringing on Renicki as a manager is he already knows him. He's worked with him. He knows his routine. Right. He knows maybe when he's a little stretched, maybe when he's a little tired, uh, he might need an extra day of rest, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that could be good to have someone on the inside monitoring him. He knows his tendencies. He knows when he's struggling physically. Uh, he could spot those things before maybe somebody else could. Sure. Um, you know, but I think he's a massive piece for them. And, and that's not even including that this is the first year of that five year extension that he signed. You were tied to this guy. Uh, you know, into the mid 2020s, you need him to be good because otherwise, you—that's a huge chunk of payroll that's wasted. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, so I—I I think that certainly they have talent there. Uh, you look around the rest of the AL. The Yankees have obviously loaded up, signing Garrett Cole. They're going to get healthy players back who are very talented. Yeah. Um, you know, it's they, a terrific they look, lineup. They look ferocious this season. Again, they haven't played a game yet, but absolutely look ferocious. They look really good. You know, there are other teams who should be a lot better. Um, Cleveland's still going to be there. Yep. I think the White Sox would be much improved. Mm. They were very active in free agency. Yep. Uh, you know, you look out west, Houston is still right there. Uh, you know, great lineup, yep. great young players. Um, a full season now of Verlander with Granke, uh, mm. which will be interesting. Granke coming in for Garrett Cole. Uh, and and becoming the number two in that rotation, you, you wonder who else they might be able to unearth. Uh, Houston seemingly always has a pitcher in the pipeline, yeah. whether it's Josh James or Jose or Keedy mm-hmm. or somebody like that. Are those guys going to try to make 25, 30 starts this year? Uh, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are some formidable teams toward the top of the American League. Uh, I think if you look at last year, though, and, and certainly the year before, the Red Sox were the only team in the AL last year to win in the 80s. Everyone else was in the 70s or in the 90s or, the or 90s, above. Yeah. There was no middle class right. in the AL. It was only them. Mm. Um, so you wonder if Boston is able to do what they did so well in 2018, which is beat up on the teams at the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. I, I know we've talked on the podcast before about what they did to Toronto and Baltimore in 2018. 18, right. They just crushed them. I think they lost five or six games combined. Yep. To those two teams, and and you know if you're going to play 38 games and go 32 and six against those two teams, just play 500 the rest of the way. Sure, yeah, and you're you're a 90 win team. You're 26 over 500. Uh, that's that's pretty good. That's going to have you in playoff contention at, at some point. Uh, 26 over 500 would be 94 and 68. Ah, it's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Um, so theoretically, I, I think they should be decent. I would imagine that you know they're going to be at the very least contending or pushing to contend, um, you know, into the middle of the season. the The only thing that you might see is if they're out of it in some way, do they completely go into sell off mode? Right, right. Yeah. Do they move Jackie Bradley? Do they try to move pitching? Do they, you know, just sort of really start over? Bottom out since they're already under the CBT. Does Bloom go all in on prospects and on controllable guys who are going to be here for four or five years? Right. That's the part I think that we can't really quantify going forward. No, and I th- and I don't, and I think that would be tough for a lot of Red Sox fans to swallow because you know you you signed Chris Sale for five years. It wasn't so you could rebuild the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so you could contend. Uh, now I. I think that if the Red Sox can can uh, keep themselves in the race, I gotta believe they're gonna go and get somebody at the trade deadline if they feel they can make a run. Um, 
And but it, as you said, it's all going to come down to to what does this pitching staff look like? Yes, you know um, th- their offense could be uh, you know rank in the top three or four in the league, but if their pitching is as bad as it was last year, it doesn't matter. That's correct, right? That's correct. So, uh, so Bill, we will. Uh, I think we're going to somehow do this again before the opening day, uh, in which is in a little early this year, right? Late March, I want to say. Late March in Toronto. The, the right? Last week of March in Toronto. Yeah. I, I've I've said to a few friends, I think it's going to be odd. If I'm walking to opening day for Major League Baseball, wearing a coat in the snow, but that's <laughs> right. A, but then, but then you're going inside a building, so. <laughs> but that is a, a very real possibility. That could happen uh, at Rogers Center. Could happen in but, March. But uh, the way this offseason is going, I'm thinking there's going to be one or two other big. Obviously, the first big story that's going to come down, I believe, is going to be the uh, the Red Sox manager slash. Uh, MLB investigation uh, results are going to come out probably very close to each other. I, I think you're probably going to see those this week, and, if I had a guess. Yeah, and then I think there may be another pickup before the season starts. You know, you know, as you mentioned, the Red Sox f- suddenly find themselves with some available money here hmm. uh, under the under the uh, under luxury tax threshold, so they may go out and find uh, a pitcher that they can. Uh, insert into that rotation. So whatever they do, I'm sure you and I will figure out a day in between URI basketball and everything else where we can get in here and uh, and hash it out again. Bill, thanks again, uh, and um, we'll do it again, I'm thinking, in the next week or two. I look forward to it, Bill. Thank you as well. <laughs> thanks.